0: I've asked Preacher if he'd read the first seven verses. right, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Beginning in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge... And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. And I think you said through verse 7? Yeah, that's okay. I got way ahead of you. All right. right. Got carried away. Amen. Amen.
1: Let's pray together. Father, we bow humbly before you again to open up the Word of God. We thank you for what we've heard this morning, Lord. Men on the straight and narrow old path preaching the word of God. I thank you for them, and I pray your hand upon their ministries and all they're doing. Thank you for these men and women that have gathered today. Lord, I know they love you with all of their heart, and they want to serve you. And I ask your very special hand upon their ministries. Thank you for them, God. Thank you for people that love you and stand true to the word of God. Please speak to us in these few moments that we have together now we'll thank you as we ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. may be seated and thank you very much. I want to say a big thank you today to Brother Daniel Liggins for leading the singing. does not he a good man? He's got a great voice and uh, um, I uh, I got to know his mom and dad many years ago, uh, I, I think before he ever peeked into this world, Brother Dan. <laughs> so... Uh, to see what God is doing is a wonderful wonderful thing well as I told you last night the preacher asked me if i'd, I'd talk some on discouragement and and uh, I'm going to do a little bit i mean, it's not going to be the the thrust of what I'm saying but but I think you'll see in a minute it's going to play a part in it but I want to kind of mess that into this concept of of ministry in terms of something about our effectiveness that God has showed me, and I hope it'll be a blessing to your heart. And I know it's going to look like a strange place to go in this great chapter we call love chapter. But, but, but let me tell you today, I, I believe God is going to teach us something and wants to teach us something, at least to this hard-headed blind guy, that there's something about this concept called love that has to do with effective service. Now, I know we get scared off because of the charismatics, amen. They've gone into this sloppy agape nonsense. And so we're afraid to preach on love sometime. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something about the dynamic of love that can change a man's life. And is effective in service. And so you you don't need to go back there. But before we just try to tackle some of these verses here in 1 Corinthians 13, go back in your mind, if you will, to John 21. And this is when the Lord is still in his resurrected body and he's meeting periodically with disciples. In this case, he's on the shore. He's got, he's got a little fire going. He's going to make a little fish fry for him and got some bread there. And he's watching a few of the disciples out there. Not all out there, but a number of them are. And they've went fishing. Now, it's interesting. Peter said, I'm going to go fishing. And like a bunch of lemmings, they said, we'll go too. And that, hello. That's what happens a lot. You find one Baptist preacher do this, and we all got to do it too. Amen. And so, uh, they all go fishing. (laughs) And so, the Lord's sitting up on the bank and watching these guys. They're not catching anything. Have you got any meat, brethren? No. He said, Well cast it over your net to the other side, and you know what happens. And full of fish, and they come up, they realize it's the Lord, and they pull the fish in, Peter pulls the fish in, they all run up and they gather around for a little time with the Lord. And you know the story as they're sitting there, the Lord looks over at Peter and says, Peter, do you do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. And then I can always always put myself into this. And I can see myself sitting there. And Peter's grabbed a piece of bread now, and the Lord looks over and said, Peter, second time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, yeah, you know I love you. And he said, Then feed my sheep. And so they eat a little bit more, and the Lord looks over him again and said, Peter. Do you love me? And Peter, I can almost saying, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you, and he said, feed my sheep. Now, what's he doing there? I believe the Lord is laying out something important for Peter to know. And that is, Peter, if you don't grasp this concept of love, if you don't know what it is, You're not going to do what I told you to do right. You've got to understand that I mentioned do you love me three times for a reason before I told you what to do. Now hang that in your mind and go back to 1 Corinthians 13 when Paul begins to talk about this concept of love. Now... If you go back just a verse to 1 Corinthians twelve thirty one, you will see in chapter 12 how he's laid out this whole concept of the importance of spiritual gifts. And it's not my message this morning, but I tell you that if we had our church members understanding what their gift was and could, could move through that, now I realize I'm not going to preach on today and there are some of the gifts that, are, that, I, don't, that I don't believe are here today. But there are some edifying gifts that are for the church. And he lays that out very, very clearly. And then in verse 31, he says, you've got to understand, I can't see it, so I'm just going to paraphrase. After giving that dissertation, he said, now covet earnestly the best gift, but I want to show you a more excellent way. Amen. And then he says, I want to talk to you about this thing of love. And he starts off and says, "Though if I could speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I don't have charity or love, then I'm like sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. I'm just a noise in the air. And then he goes on to talk about, if I had knowledge and understanding, and I had the faith to move mountains, then it's nothing if I don't understand love. And then he begins to go down through this whole idea of, of what love does. Now this is thing it's not what love is. It's what love does. And he's teaching us uh, reminding us I believe that love is a verb. Love has action. God so loved the world that he He didn't get gushy feelings. <laughs> he gave and then he goes down and says, so love doesn't vaunt itself, it's kind, it's not puffed up, etc., on down the line. And here's what I believe that he's trying to say, that love is a dynamic. It's a thing that comes to us as Christ enters our life. It doesn't happen if you're not saved. When Christ comes in, God is love, amen? And when he moves in, guess what? Love moves in. The love of God moves in, but love didn't cut in there so we can have these funny feelings that God just loves me and I love God. Now, that's important, amen, to be able to say, I love the Lord. You can't say that until He first loved us and He lives in us. But love is a dynamic. It works something out in our life. Now, putting that together with what He told the disciples in the fish fry, He's saying to you and me, I believe that you've got to understand this dynamic of love because it's going to be the way of effective service for me. Peter, did you get that? That's why I asked you three times, do you love me? Not so you can say, I have this feeling of love, but that you understand I'm doing something in you, that you're going to respond to me, but you're going to be respond to what I want you to do now. And I told you three times what that was because you're going to grasp that this is a dynamic and that's what Paul is trying to sell us to. And then he goes down through this list of things that love does. Now, what I want us to do today is just look down at verse number 7. We don't have time to tear apart this morning every one of these. And I felt like the Lord just told me to camp this morning on verse number 7. Because I kind of believe in my mind, this is sort of, I don't know how else to say it, sort of the belt or the cinch, cinching verse of this entire chapter. You know, you can put on a shirt, a pair of trousers, and you put a belt on. It sort of pulls it together. And I believe if you look down in verse number 7, he just makes four statements there. It's sort of a summary of what he has just said previous to this. Sort of summing it up and bringing this whole concept together. And listen to what he says. Because this is what he says love does. He said love does. Beareth all things. Love believeth all things. Love hopeth all things. And love endureth all things. So it's a dynamic in our heart. When the love of God is shed abroad in our heart, it does something to a person's life. And if that is released, that God love is released, then God said it'll be effective. It'll work in a life. But it's got to be let go. So how does it work? Well, let's go through it as quickly as I can because there's, there's four of them here. And we're primarily going to mention the first three. Love beareth all things. Now, that's interesting. When we think of bearing something, at least I do, I think of the Lord Jesus Christ bearing the cross. I, I can see that one of the, you know, on his shoulder there going across as he's bearing the cross up to golgotha. But that's not what this verse this word means. The the word here is a little dip different. Uh, when we think of bearing something, we think of of a task, of picking up. But the word here literally means to carry to capacity. Now I I I wondered how does that fit in this word? What do you mean to carry to capacity? Now If somebody's bearing something, how does it carry it to capacity? I think God gave me an illustration of that one time, many, many years. And sadly, it was before I was saved. But it's amazing how God will bring things back to your life later and showed me something in my heart. When I was very, very young, just early married, uh, and I was, I guess, 20 years old, I was in the military and they stationed me on the island of Crete. And uh, my little bride and I uh, took a, a trip one day up to what's called the Valley of the Windmills. And it was a, a big valley of 10,000 windmills, a beautiful sight. And we took a Greek bus, and it was an all-day tour. And as we were going up there, we stopped one day at a little village on the way up to the Valley of the Windmills. And as we stopped, it, it was, if you wanted a picturesque uh, idea of what a greek village would have been a long time ago that would have been it even back in the 60s they wore a lot of the old greek ways of dressing and there was a little stream really it's more than a stream it was not a big river but but it made its way down through that little village and my wife and i were watching the ladies who were washing their clothes in that river now, ladies, if you would have seen that, you would have went home and kissed your Kenmore. Amen. <laughs> because they didn't have a Kenmore. Amen. And they were washing them by hand and then laying them over rocks. They were talking and laughing, but they were washing. My wife and I were watching them that, curious about that. And we looked down the river of ways or the stream or whatever it was. And a young lady—I'm guessing she wasn't married yet, but she was maybe later teenage or you know something in that age—and she come out carrying an earthen vessel on one of her shoulders, and she went down into that stream, put that large earthen vessel in, filled it with water, put it up on her shoulder, and in a very stately manner for a lady. Walk back to her little house without spilling a drop. And God taught me something, that. That God is telling us that the love of God, if it works in our heart and is let go in our heart, gives us the God-given capacity, now hear me now, to carry the aches and pains of our life without it spilling on everybody else. Hello? Without it spilling, I oh, you don't know my day. You don't know all my problems. Hey, you're not the only one that's got one. And hang on, Lucy, if you don't have one, you're going to have one. It's just the truth, isn't it? Man born of a woman is a few days and what? Full of trouble. It's going to happen one of these days. I remember when I first started pastoring Missouri this long time ago. A dear lady, and I defend her to this day. She's in, been in heaven a long time now. And I just, really, the work was just getting started. And one day, we had a small exit out of the church and from our little auditorium, and people would come by, and I'd stand by the door and greet people. And one day, this sister come by, and, and I said, How you doing, sister? Well, she told me. For about 20 minutes, she told me. From the bunion on her left toe... Hello? All the way up to her head. And I said to myself, self, don't ever ask her how she's doing again. Because she's going to tell you. Can I tell you something? When you and I come into a church service, we bring an aura with us. When we come home from work, we bring an aura with us. And if we come home with this attitude or come into the church with poor me, poor me, and I want to dump on everybody else, it'll kill a service. Yeah, right, right. And God said, the love of God, if you have it shed abroad in your heart, will give you the capacity to carry those aches and pains without it spilling on everybody else. Amen. Now listen, folks. You know, here's 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 a lady that's, you know, she's... Uh, been thinking all day long you know I, i'd like to get my husband a nice meal tonight and and um I, i'm gonna work hard today so when he comes home man i i'm gonna i, I may even put a tablecloth on the table uh, man you're in good shape the wife will do that amen and uh, i'll make it nice and so she gets it all ready and he comes home and sits down and the first thing he does is dump on her for about 30 minutes about the boss about everything went wrong and I didn't like this and I don't know what's this and I don't like this and I don't like that and can I say after about five minutes of that and she shoved your face down in the gravy, you found out she didn't need to hear that. <laughs> she didn't need to hear that. But can I say something else? A guy comes home from work and his wife Mick meets him on the porch and says I'm glad you're home the kids been driving And you wonder why he got in his pickup truck and went down and got a big orange drink. Amen. (laughs) Because he didn't need to hear that either. Amen. Can I say the hardest person you're going to live with is a complainer. Somebody that's going to dump all day long on every problem there is in life. And God said that if you and I have the love of God in our heart, then we can bear all things. Now that doesn't mean that if you have a major problem, you don't talk about it. If you wake up tomorrow morning and you got something on the side of your neck, a side of a football, I don't think I'd say it's nothing. <laughs> I ain't worried about that. I think I'd go to the doctor anyway. I think I'd probably talk to somebody about that. And this doesn't mean that if you and I don't have a... There's some kind that we're really dealing with, we don't go talk to our pastor. That's why he's there. But it means that if you and I really love the people we live with, And we really want to be able to be what God wants us to do. God says, the love of God, if it's working in your heart and my heart, will give us the capacity to carry the burdens of life without spilling on everybody else. Now, if I flip that around, it says I can help another person carry their burden too. Galatians says, bear you one another's burdens. That means I can also help someone else to carry their burden. You know what I found out in the ministry? Sometimes in a church service, as people get under conviction, and the altars are open and the invitation is given, but they're not going they're not going to get up and go. He said, why wouldn't they get up and go? Well, because last time they got down on their face at an altar and an altar worker came up and said, can't pray with you. And they told them all that was on their heart. Before they got home, it was all over the church. And somebody had... Taken everything that that person had given them in confidence, and went back and told everybody. Can't tell you that ought not to be amongst God's people. You know, we—if you heard today that Brother Eccles just robbed the bank, you and I'd be—we—we'd we'd be horrified. But you can have some brother or sister in the church with a tongue that's nine yards long, and we don't say anything. And they go ahead, and they can spew out their venom, and did you hear about so-and-so, and And did you this, and that? That ought not to be done. We ought to understand that if somebody says, I need you to pray with me, I'm carrying a load, that we can say yes, and I'm not going to tell anybody else about it either, just you and I and God. That's all that needs to know. And that's what this verse is saying, that if we're in a church service or if we're in a home and somebody's got a problem, we can bear their burdens. And we can help them to carry it so it doesn't have to spill all over also. The love of God, that way, would be pretty effective in ministry, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty effective in a church in our home, wouldn't it? If we really believed that. But Paul said it'll work. The love of God beareth all things. Look with second thing it believeth all things. Now, we often think that the word belief is confidence and trust, and it is, but that's really not what it's saying here. The word here, what it's speaking about is kind of what we would maybe call positive thinking. What it is, it's saying the love of God, when it's shed abroad in Charles Eliot's heart, if it's done right, and if we're allowing it to flow, that channel we wanted to sing about a while ago, if it happens, that it allows me to see life in a more positive way than a negative way. Do you ever notice how many Baptists are negative? Go like that. It's the truth, isn't it? Negative. Well, well that's not going to work. <laughs> well, who put you in the Trinity? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I heard about the old guy. One day his uh, trains in the eighteen hundreds just coming, and he was on one of the routes out west. And the train was, was supposed to make its first maiden trip in on a certain day, and so all the townsfolk were out. Well, he's walking up and down, saying it'll never get here, it'll never get here, just stay with your horse, it'll never get here, never get here. And pretty soon you hear a whistle. He said, I don't care, it'll not make it, just don't worry about it, it's never going to make it here. Well, the train made it there. He said, well, there's one thing you can count on, and it may make it, but they'll never stop it. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, how we can find something negative about anything. And what he's saying here is that the love of God allows me to look out at this world as nasty as it is and say, God can do something. Yes. It allows me to say, it'll work. I think that will work. Now, it's not gullibility. It's not saying I believe everything that happens. I heard about the old Indian that had taken his horse into have it shooed, and he'd walk back home, and for the next day, is would go back to get his horse. And he was walking along the road, and a guy pulled up with a big Cadillac. He said, you need a ride? And the guy said, mm. And so he said, well, get in. And he said, where are you going? He told him to the town. He said, I'm going there too. So the Indian sat there, and the guy put the pedal to the metal. Next thing you know, he'd gone from zero to 60, and the old Indian went, mm. And The guy went on down a wall, and he punched it down. Now he's going 85, and the Indian went, mm. And they kept going, and they, all of a sudden, he got up close to 100 mile an hour, and the Indian went, mmm. And the old guy looked across and said, don't worry about it, son. The faster she runs, the cooler she gets. the Indian went, hmm. So he went in, got his horse, paid the man, jumped on the horse, and was heading back to his little village, and he just started whipping that horse as fast as he could get it to run. Ears back on that horse, and he's running forever across that desert, and all of a sudden, the horse just drops dead. Indian rolls off, jumps up, and looks at the dead horse and said, hmm, him freeze death.
0: Mm. Mm. Whoops.
1: These mics were never designed for blind guys. Esculability, um, amen. But what this is saying is the love of God allows, it's kind of the glass of water, is it half full or is it half empty? Some people look up there if I had one and say, man, nah, that thing's half empty. Somebody else look back at it and say, that's half full, man. It's the way we see things. I know I've pastored for about almost 20 years. And I, I, I can remember times we'd want to do something. There'd always be somebody that'd say, well, that's, that's never going to work. Well, how do you know it's not going to work? Well, I'm just telling you, that's not going to work. Oh, yeah, well, hey, listen. Listen, the love of God allows the person to say, I believe God can get into that thing. I believe that would work. God can take care of that thing. God can use me. God can do this. You know, sometimes in our own personal lives we get to a point where we feel like that that we just got to be negative. Well, I don't think I can use me, and I don't think this, and we're living... Listen, we're living in hard days today. Well, it's been hard every time. It doesn't matter anyway. You think it's hard here. Well, then why don't you come to India with me? It's hard. It's hard wherever you go. I used to enjoy talking to our people, you know. Uh, They'd come in and they'd have this attitude i remember somebody come in and say brother Elliot, i didn't talk to you and i'd see what's going on and they said well i'm broke I'm to- we're totally broke i don't know what to do and i said well that's bad uh, but you're not sick so that's pretty good amen <laughs> and then somebody coming to me and said brother Elliot, I-, I gotta talk to you what's wrong well we're broke and only that uh, but we're uh I've been really sick. And I said, that's double bad, but you're saved. Amen. So that's glory. Hallelujah. See, we need umbrella Christians. It's raining outside. Okay, we got an umbrella. Amen. Yeah. It's going to be all right. God can do something and allows us to be able to see the best in something. And I'm going to mention a man's name, and some of you older ones may know this. Brother Boonster is here. Isn't Brother Boonster an instrument, inspiration? <laughs> I just got to hug this guy every time I see him. I, I he, You know, I was in Bible college back in the early 70s, and he was, of course, leading missions. And, and boy, I'm telling you, God used this man. And uh, he's a hero, and I, I thank God for him. So he may know the man I'm talking about, but, uh, but there was a man uh, that went to Bible college named Herb Fitzpatrick. And is back in BBC, and I had a couple of men that knew him and uh, had roomed with him. Now these are in the days before they really got air conditioners into the to the early dorms in the fifties, and and um, Herbert Patrick had a speech impediment, a bit of a problem speaking, uh, and they said that what he would do. There was three of them in the room. And they said outside of the room of the dorm, there was a large tree, shade tree. And that Herb Fitzpatrick would go out, and he would get down on his knees at night before curfew. And they could hear him out the window. And he'd say, God, I, I don't want to mimic you. So you can imagine a speech in and, and, and he said, God, I, I love you. God, I want to serve you. I, I want to have a really big church. I, I, I want to serve I want a lot of people. I really want to serve God. And they said we'd we'd look around and go, yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah, I'm sure God. Yeah, that's right. You just keep praying. Amen. Yeah, God, big, big, big church. Curtis Hudson, before he died, told this story. Curtis, of course, at that time was writing uh, the sword of the Lord and he said his secretary always made various appointments for him and said, you'll be heading to Riverdale, Maryland, don't forget, Dr. Hudson, and uh, you'll be there for, uh, for a certain Sunday, a big Sunday. And He said, okay. And she gave him the information and he flew out to Riverdale and uh, was told, now you'll get into the hotel room and the pastor will call you when you get in if you need anything and he'll tell you about the services so brother hudson goes in and he gets in the hotel room he checks in and he's there a little while and the phone rings and this guy comes call on the phone with sort of speech impediment oh dr hudson really glad you're here Uh, big day gonna have a great day tomorrow you just can't just great 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 day it's gonna be a great day tomorrow just god just gonna be great 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 day and Hudson hangs up and said, yeah, sounds like I'm going to have great, great, great. This is going to be really great. I'm sure this is going to really be great. So he says, I got the address. Of course, this is way before GPS and cell phones. And he drives and he looks to the corner where he's supposed to be. And he thinks, man, they gave me the wrong directions. And so he says, I look over at the left. There's this huge Methodist church. And I'm thinking, no way, Jose. That's not it. It looks across the street, two big, huge buildings. And it looks like some commercial. Song. And then he looks over the side. There's another huge church, and it's facing down. He thinks, I don't know where, but they've given me the wrong address. So he said, I don't know what else to do. So I just turn right, and when I look over on the right, there's a big sign. And I'm thinking, no, this can't be. <laughs> And he said, I look over at this gigantic church, and it's the address he gave me. And I'm thinking, there's no way. This cannot be. And he said, so I I went in, and I partied. I, thought, I don't know what else to do. And he said, I, I go in, and he said, there's a man just comes walking through, and and I stop and said, "Sora, uh, uh, my name's is Curtis. Oh, Dr. Hatt, we're so glad you're here. Our pastor will be right out in just a minute. I noticed he went to his office. He'll come right out in a minute. And he said, pretty soon, this man walks out with a speech impediment and said, ah, Dr. Hutt, so glad you're here today. i just so glad you're here today. We're going to have a really great time. Did I tell you I have four services this morning? And Brother Hudson said, I was so humbled. But here's a man that said, I am not speak too well. God, I really want you to use me. I think you could do that. And the love of God shed abroad in the mind's heart and said, God can do something. God can do something. Now, when I look at the other person, it says I can see the best in them, too. How many times how many times do we look positively at somebody? More times we look negative, don't we? We look at what they look like on the outside. You know, we can draw some quick conclusions in a wrong manner so many ways. I've always said I love America for a lot of reasons. I do love America. But one of the reasons in America you are still supposedly innocent until you're proven guilty. Of course, that's not true in a Baptist church, but everywhere <laughs> else is. <laughs> in a Baptist church, you're, you're, you're guilty till you prove you're innocent. Amen. I remember one time, and it is so sad. My son is helping me now, live, living with me. Because she's fifty-five years old now, and I love my son. We're very close. I remember when he was a boy, and, and uh, how many of you ever had a teenager and would admit it? Anybody? <laughs> how many of you remember when they were learning to drive? So my son, uh, we were a smaller town there, and I was pastoring, and had an old car, and and. Um, he would ask me, Dad, can I use your tools? He thought he could work on it. I didn't have a lot of tools. I could see a little bit in those days, but I did have a nice toolbox. And I told my son, I said, Mike, you can use it any time you want, son. But and, and have you ever said this, fathers? Put them back. <laughs> I didn't think that was hard. <laughs> Put them. Three, three words. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, one day I needed my tools. So, I got no toolbox. Mm. Well, I do pretty good. I looked at my watch and, okay, he's got about 30 minutes for school's out, and he'll be home. Mm -hmm. Gives me time to really get mad. Oh, at first, ten minutes isn't bad. I'm thinking, put them back. That's simple. Put them back. Just That's just simple. Put them back. That wasn't that complicated. Mm-hmm. Now, about five minutes before he comes to the door, I'm talking staccato. Michael Elliott. And about one minute before he comes to the door, I'm thinking, Michael Elliott, you are dead meat and he walks in the door and I said stop right there what's wrong dad I said do you understand the words put them back I don't know what you're talking about dad I said toolbox red (laughs) easy to identify put them back dad don't you remember last week you put it in the trunk I had to hug him sorry Mike I didn't see the best in him and I made a judgment call before I knew and we do that sometimes Sometimes because we see things that to us don't make them, then we judge them. Yeah. And the love of God says, God can do something that person. Amen. God can turn that person around. All of you know Dr. James Dobson from years ago, Focus on the Family. When I was saved, I was saved in a church in Kansas. And uh, we had a young boy that got saved probably six months or or so after I did by the name of Mike Jameson. Mike Jameson, this was back in the, um, this would be in the late 60s. And Mike Jameson came to church in, in a pair of blue jeans and a white shirt and long flowing blonde hair. But every time he came in, he had his King James Bible and a notepad, and he would sit in the church and write notes and just focus on the preacher all the time. Now, our preacher preached standards, preached the Word of God. Brother Marshall just straight. But Mike Jameson just grew his hair longer, and he would come to church. And he was there for quite a while. And one night at the altar, he went to the altar. He was down there a long time. So the preacher come back and said, just let the music play softly, folks. You can be seated and just keep praying. So he finally goes down, puts his arm around Brother Jameson. They talk for a little while. And next thing you know, preacher comes up with Mike Jameson. And he said, folks, uh, Brother Mike likes to say something. And Mike said... "Um, uh, and he's got tears in his eyes. He said, "I just, I just want to say something." He said, "You, you all are so good to me. I love you." He said, um, "I'm a pretty new Christian, and, and and I I want to serve my Lord. But I'll just be honest with you. When I when I got saved, I determined if one person in this church says something about my hair." I'm gonna go it three times longer and rub it in your face. And he said, Pastor, I know that you've taught the word of God and I want you to know I've been listening. But he said, I just want you to know, folks, that you are willing to love me and I just want you to know tomorrow I'm gonna cut my hair. You know why I mentioned James Dobson? He went to work for Dr. Dobson. And Mark, Dr. Dobson said I cannot function without Mike Jameson. He was behind the scenes, but he was the facilitator. He said, I can't everywhere I go, it's already taken care of by Jameson. Airline tickets, everything, scheduling, all these things. Why? Because a few people was able to see the best in a guy and what God could do. Now look at the next one. God says, love, hope, with all things. If believe all things is the attitude, hope's the action. I don't believe in the rapture, folks. I hope in the rapture. See, hope is completed faith. And you see, you can have that attitude, but, but then the action follows that. And this is what God is saying to us. If the love of God is shed abroad in our heart, it will allow us to hope on things. It takes us beyond an attitude into an action. When a person loses hope, I guess I could say it this way, they'll X himself off. They'll quit. Because if you don't have any hope, you don't go on. But the love of God sequentially allows us to bear things, to see things, change in our heart and our mind, and then hope all things. I can remember when I first started pastoring up in Missouri, there's a number of guys that were really having a hard time get a job. But this is before you just could put resumes online and things like that. If you're gonna you're gonna get a job, you had to go out and hoof it. You had to go out and, and see if you get a job. And I was always admired guys that that did that day after day and come back with a no. And yet they were still in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They just kept going. They just kept going. You know why they kept going? Because they had hope. Hope. It's going to work. But you find a person that loses their hope, they just quit. Right, yeah. That's just all it is to yeah. it. Because they lost their hope, but the love of God. Now, now, tie it back to what Jesus. The love of God, Peter. Tie it in what he was going to tell Jesus to Paul to write. Will Allow you to hope all things. Will allow you to see. Look, don't x me off. God's going to do something here. I had that illustrated to me so clearly one time when I was pastoring in California. In those days, I was losing my sight, but I could see in the day. And uh, so I was the last one to lock up the office that day. And as I had just locked up the office, I was going to my car, I heard and could see a little ways across the parking lot, a little old lady. She had to have been close to 90. She come walking. I said, a little old white hair and a bun and she had a long skirt Gird on, and she come over and said, "Can a little old lady get a drink of water?" And I said, "Well, yes, ma'am." And and so I looked at her, and I didn't know who she was. And I said, "Come on in." And I opened the door. We had a little outer office. We had a water cooler with those kind of cone shaped things, you know. And and so there was a couple little chairs there. And I just left the door open, and I just said, "Would you like to sit down here?" And I went over and got her some water and brought it over, and. She was sweating profusely, and she said, "Thank you so much for the water." And I said, "You're more than welcome." I, and, and I talked to her for a moment, and then I made a big mistake. I said, "So, um, so what you've been doing?" She said,
0: "Well, I've been handing out
1: Bible tracks. What have you been doing?" <laughs> and I, I thought, because hmm, I hadn't handed out any. Yet. <laughs> I said, okay, sister. <laughs> yeah. So we talked a little bit, and I said, well, ma'am, no, I haven't handed any out today. And we talked a little bit, and she said, thank you. And I said, ma'am, do you need a ride home? I said. She said, no, I don't need no ride home. And I said, okay, wonderful. And so she left. Well, it's probably, I don't know how long, it's been a number of years ago, but it was a week or two or a month or so later I'm blocking off the office, and I hear this familiar voice. Can a little old lady get a drink of water? And I thought, I know who that is. So she came walking up, and I said, yes, ma'am. So I opened up the office again, set her down, and got a drink of water. She cooled down, and I made a mistake again. And I said, so, sister, what you been up to? Well, I've been in the hospital. That's where I've been. I said, oh, my. She said, yeah, and they say I'm dying, but I ain't. (laughs) Truth. And I said, really, what would you do? Well, I checked out. That's what I did. And I said, what are you going to do? I'm going to hand out tracks. That's what I'm going to do. And I thought, glory, hallelujah. There's somebody that said, don't tell me I'm dead until God tells me I'm dead. (laughs) Hallelujah, I'm going up. Now, it's a little extreme, Amen. But it taught me something. Here's a lady that's, that, that wouldn't have been able to articulate that, but said, The love of God shed abroad in my heart allows me to move on one more day and do what God wants me to do. And you're not going to X me off till God X me off. Amen. Hallelujah to God. It works that way. It works that way. And that, that helps a preacher when he gets down and starts to want to run. He can look up and say, The love of God won't let me do it. God said, he's going to turn this thing around. God's going to make it work. But now when you turn it around and look at the other guy, I don't X him off either. How many people have ever looked at somebody, be honest now, and said, they'll never make it? How do you know that? You know, about the time Charles Eliot said, they'll never make it, you know what happens? The love of God moves in and makes me look stupid. I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'm going to bring it to an end. We had a lady in the church, uh, a couple in the church. It, it, had, it had been a remarried situation, and uh, the, the father had a daughter, and she was in kind of a, a rebellious stage. And uh, they asked my wife and I; they would we could talk to her, and we we did our best. I'm not a a counselor, but I did my best to take the Bible and try to work with her and my wife too, and we we weren't getting anywhere. And I had a pastor friend told me of a a man of God that could um, could help. He said, I really think that uh, he said she's, he's worked with people like her, and and I think he could be a help to her. So my wife and I uh, went to talk to this guy. Now, the guy was uh, in a Baptist church, but he was a, had a Ph.D. in counseling. And so I got to kind of like the guy. He was a nice guy. And he did, he did some help to this young lady. And um, so one day I had a conversation with him just to sit down and talk to him. I wanted to thank him for what he'd done. And he said, this is what he said to me, Brother Elliot, let me tell you a story. And he talked to me about this concept of love. And I'll never forget it. He said, what you don't know is my wife has a Ph.D. too in counseling. But we work in different offices. And he said, I don't know if you would know, but that can put a strain on a marriage because when you're working with people all day long and you come home and she's got her mind on a set of problems and you got yours on a set of problems and you don't relate because she's in that office and you're in this office and yet next thing you know, we just sort of rattle around in a box. We just are going through the motions. And he, she, he said, I could see our marriage was not going in the right direction and she could too. But we just pressed on because we were we were busy. We wanted to help people. And we just kept going, kept going, kept going. And our marriage just kept getting colder and colder and colder. So it got to a point we hardly talked anymore. And one day, he said, she said to me, we're just kidding ourselves. You know that. And he said, yeah, I know it. And she said, I think it would be best just get out. He said, good, great. Just get out then. And she said, well, I think I'll do that. He said, fine. Where are you going to go? Well, I'm going back to my family in California. He said, good, I'll buy you a ticket. (laughs) He said, Dad. He said, but Brother Ali, don't forget, I'm an independent Baptist. I need to be in church Wednesday night. So I got my counseling set up so I could get in church on Wednesday night. I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> Won't have to see her tonight. It'll be a great night. Praise the Lord. He said, I get into church, and the preacher starts preaching, and God starts ripping me from the top of my head to the bottom of my foot. You sorry, Doug. You said for better or for worse. Yeah, but I don't love her. God said, I don't care whether you love her. I love her. And he said, Well, I don't love her. And he said, he said, this is awful. But I don't even know what the preacher's preaching about because God is all over me. He's ripping my heart, he's ripping my head off, saying, You stop that nonsense. And he said, God, I don't love her anymore. God said, I do love her. He said, I go back on Sunday morning, the same thing. I can't get any peace. I can't get any rest. I go back Sunday night. I can't. He said, that goes on for about two weeks. And I'm, I thought, man, I'm going to have a heart attack here. God is eating me up. Saying, you stop that nonsense. You said, better for worse. And I can work through your life if you'll let me do that. And he said, this is what I'd say. I said, God, I don't love her. And God he would seem like he'd say in my heart, I don't care whether you love her. I can love her through you. If you let that happen. And he said, finally, I I hadn't, he said, I was just, I just felt constrained that I I couldn't go on. So he said, I I picked up the phone one night and I called her. And I said, "Do, do you think you'd like to try to. Make this work. And he said, every minute that I was speaking, I felt like a hypocrite because I didn't want to do that. But I felt like God wanted me to. And she said, yeah, I've been thinking the same thing. He said, okay, well, then I'll, I'll see. You get a ticket and we'll get back. And he said, this was before the airlines had the the jet walkways. You had to actually walk across the tarmac and come down steps. And he said, I can remember when she landed. I I, I didn't even want to be there. He said, even to that day, I I thought, I don't want to see this lady. And every time God said, I love her, though, you let me love part you. And he said, I I didn't want to do that. And he said, I walked into that terminal. And you could go in there with all the pre-checks and that today, and you could go up the gate. And he said, and watching people deploying. And he said, when she stepped to the top of that stairway and I saw her he said and this is exactly what he told me he said I said God that's the ugliest woman I've ever seen in my life he said I hate her and he said God grabbed a hold of my heart and said don't ever say that again because I love her and he said I knew what I had to do he said when she came through that door and he said it was screaming hypocrite all the time from the devil He said, I grabbed her, gave her a big hug, and said, I am so glad to see you. And he said, my heart is screaming, you lying dog hypocrite. But he said, I kept saying, okay, Lord, then you said you're going to do it. You're going to have to do it because there's nothing in me that loves this. He said, I took her out to a nice little place where we could be quiet and had a nice little dinner. And I tried to be as kind as I could. And we talked, and he said, I felt like the biggest hypocrite in the world. But God kept saying, I could love her through you. If you yield, and let me do it. He said, one year later, I take her back as an anniversary of that night to the same place. He said, I'd never told her this before. But that night, after one year, he said, I took her And when the meal came, I looked across and told her everything I just told you. And he said, she looked up with tears in her eyes and said, "Uh, I would have never known that because this has been the best year of my life. And he said, Brother Elliot, outside of Jesus Christ, she's the most precious thing in my life right now. And he said, you know what did that? Two things. The love of God... Is not a feeling. It's a dynamic. And it comes when we yield to let the, the love of God flow through. Now, it's why the last thing God said endures things. I don't have to preach on that. Because if the love of God bears all things, believes all things, and hopes on things, it will endure all things. Father... Just take the thoughts some way and, and use them for your glory, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher, you come.